It is, it is a privilege to be here. We're, we're very privileged. Um, we're privileged to be here. We're privileged people. I don't know whether you understand that. A lot of people would look at us and go, what on earth are you doing on Christmas morning before you open up the prezzies? Uh, we opened up prezzies at our place. I, I scored well. I, when I say I scored well, I actually did well today. I, I picked the right present. You know, you know sometimes when you get the wrong one, you think, oh, it's going to be a tough day now. But <laughs> I did all right. I had advice from my daughter on what to get, so it, it worked really well. But, you know, we're privileged to be part of God's family, we're, we're privileged to be part of this family. I'm privileged to be your, your senior minister. I, there, there really isn't a day where I don't appreciate this church and who you are and, and what God's been doing here. But, you know, we're privileged to make today about eternal things. That's a privilege. Not everyone does that. Today, for the rest of the world out there, you know, we, we use this day to celebrate the fact that Jesus was born. We have nativity scenes and we have this, you know. But to everyone else out there, today is about everything else. But to us, today is about this thing, this Emmanuel, God with us. Because Jesus matters to us more than anything else matters. And so what else would we do on this day? You know, and we really need these moments, especially now. We need moments, uh, I call them moments of uh, resolve, but not resolving, of resolution, maybe I should put it that way, resolution. You don't understand what I mean by how things need to come to a resolution. If you had an argument, uh, it's just, it's hanging out there until there's resolution, isn't there? It's the same in music. Uh, and a, a song, like our soul, needs to come home. And so, when I used to play guitar, you know, I knew that if I was playing in G, boom, 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 I can play a fourth, a third and a fifth, and boom, boom, boom but I've got to come home, boom, 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 boom. The song has to come home. But if I don't come home, I'm just going boom, 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 boom. COVID sucks, <laughs> government's hard, my job is difficult, boom, 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 two years of boom, boom, Christmas, boom. Come home, come home. We need to resolve our soul to say, that's done, I'm coming back, it's Christmas time, it's time to stop, it's time to remember, it's time to bring resolution to my soul and hit G, just come back. Because all that we've been through, the changing regulations, the misinformation on all sides that we've got to try and wade through, hysterical media, polarising politics, social media, good friends that now look at each other with a weary eye. The only consistency for us has been inconsistency. Boom, 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 and it grinds away. So we need to come home. And so, St. Augustine said famously, our hearts are restless until it rests in you. The irony of Christmas, of course, is that Jesus came to rest in us. It's baffling. His name is Emmanuel. That's what they call him, God with us. It wasn't that God once visited. It's not God visitation. It was God of the habitation. God came and took up residence with us. We became literally the place where he hung out and he stayed there. And there's a real significance to this in the fact that God came down. It's not that we made it up to him. It's not that we got our act together to the point where we justified our presence with him. And this is really important. And this is what brings out, makes you and I distinct, distinctive, a privileged, privileged people. Because humanity 
without God has a tendency just to project. We make God in our image. Uh, this is how we get religion, mostly. Um, you know, we're told not to do that. We're told not to make an image of God. And yet, there's something in us that f- sort of propels us to, we know there's eternity somewhere. We know it's of some form. So the best we can do is, do is extrapolate it out from our own soul. Even though the second commandment says, you know, don't do that thing. And in its, in its simplest form, if you're a, a student of history, I'm a, I'm a bit of a student of history, if you look at it at a, at a tribal level or a village level, what they do, they still had that sense of eternity, that same sense of there's something beyond this. So what do they do? They go, well, who are we? And they find uh, normally an animal that represents, and we're a brave tribe, so we are lions, we are rhinoceri, we are, uh, or we're wise, so we're like owls, and so they, they get the village symbol. And they create that symbol, and, and, and enough, after a while it becomes a totem. They, they make a carved image of that, and they say, that represents us. And they make a totem, or a totem pole, if I was an American Indian. And this becomes the religion for them. And then at that totem, they then dance around, or whatever the ceremony might be, and they seek the guidance of who? Their ancestors. And so their ancestors are their connection with the eternal and so what they've done, their ancestors, who are their ancestors? It's essentially them. They've made the eternal in their own image. That's the progression of this thing. At a village level, at a tribal level. At a national level, it takes on a bit of a different perspective because we need a bit more credibility because there are arguments coming back and forward. And so ultimately, what someone would normally do is create a religion based on a revelation. And it's, it's either human invention or it's... it's a revelation from some divine source. And this became the mode of religion. Buddhism, for example. Prince Siddhartha in the 6th century BC claimed enlightenment. He had, suddenly he had a revelation of this whole thing. And, and so it, it polarizes, now we have to decide, do I believe this or I don't? Islam, Muhammad in 570 AD, Judaism was not doing its role as a, as a global religion anymore. Christianity hadn't taken root right throughout the world. And so there was, there was room there And Muhammad came in 570 AD and claimed uh, to receive divine revelation. Mormonism, if you remember that, through the Second Great Awakening in the States uh, in 1820, Joseph Smith claimed to have a revelation. An angel came down and gave him two golden plates, which he promptly buried, of course. There's a lot about that I'm, I'm still trying to figure out. I mean, someone with a metal detector go and find that sucker and we'll all become Mormons. Um... But, but what this does, this divine revelation thing, and we need to be wary even as Christians because we can claim divine revelation too. And it's called Gnosticism. So there's, there's, a, there's a, a thing we need to be aware of, the humanness that claims divineness in about the way we process religion. We've got to be very clear and clever about this. But this is why Christmas is just so significant. It wasn't man making God in his image. God came down in human image, in the likeness of us. It's an incredible thing. Because, and he came to the Hebrews, and the Hebrews too, that even struggled with this whole, how do we work out religion? It's like they had two pages of a book and they, they extrapolated, that's who God is. And so to form up the religion even more, they made traditions and rules and regulations, the whole thing. But they'd gone so far off track that when Jesus came, they didn't even recognize him as being God. So at best, every religion, other than this thing called Christianity, uh, is speculation. It's theory. So Jesus coming down wasn't a revelation, he was a revolution. This is a game changer. This, he's saying, I am he. 
Touch me. Feel me. Love me like I love you. This, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. John 14, 9 says it. Anyone who's seen me, you've seen the Father. This is mind-boggling stuff in human form. So he's constrained and yet deity, perfect, the fulfillment of who God is. They'd heard about God. They'd, they had the Torah. They had the, the law. They had, they had formed in their mind that this God is, is just an angry judge waiting to smite anyone who steps out of line. And it's like they had a thin slice of the pie and God sa- Jesus is saying, I'm the whole pie. This is what God looks like. Anything that you think God looks like that doesn't look like me, it's up for grabs. It's open for question because I'm the fulfillment of who he is. Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. See, only Jesus was resurrected. People had been resuscitated, but he was resurrected with a new heavenly body. It was witnessed, it was documented comprehensively. Any serious historian can't argue about the reality of Jesus. The legal case with his resurrection is pretty much ironclad. But just like those who have the revelation, we've got to make a choice. Do we believe this? Do we not believe this? Is my life sown and placed in faith on this or is it not? But the great thing about Jesus coming at Christmas is that without him coming, God could never, ever be known. All we could do would be make it up. But he's shown us. But without Jesus coming, God, not only would he not be known, he would not be close. Most religions, really, pretty much all of them have this God who is remote. And we do things and we uh, we have to perform certain acts and rituals that, that maybe get us a little bit close, but he stays remote because we're imperfect. But God said, I'm right there with you. Wherever you are, that's where I am as well. Jesus cancelled that out. He cancelled religion. The word became flesh, it says in John 1, and made his dwelling among us. His dwelling, that word, they knew what that meant. That word was the same as tabernacle, temple. So the temple that Herod had spent 30 years creating to try and resurrect this Hebrew religion. Jesus said, that thing, that's going away. I am the temple. Now you are the temple because I'm going to live in you. He's made his temple in you. It's actually staggering. If you, if you, if you can fix your mind on the things that really matter for long enough for them to get traction and you contemplate the fact that this God who created all this is dwelling in you, looking for something to do, what are you going to do with your life? But when he left physically, he came even more profoundly. John 14, 16, Jesus says, when I go, I'm going to ask the Father, he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. I won't leave you as orphans, I'll come to you. Jesus, Emmanuel, Christmas, God with us. I don't know what challenges you're facing in your life today. I bet your life you're facing some. We've all got them. You know, perhaps you're under financial strain, relational strain, perhaps this whole issue of regulations has put you out of work. That's difficult. That's real. In many ways, that's unfair. There's stuff that we're going through that we're forced to grapple with now. We have to confront them. You might have relational strain. Friends that once were that now aren't family members that have left you and it's just not fair. Maybe you're battling with disappointment, battling with depression. So many of us are. It's normal, it's human, it's what we do, it's what we go through. Maybe you've been deconstructing your faith. This year I've met so many people, so many people, that for for some reason it's just 
Now has become their time where they question everything. Religion doesn't work for them anymore. This doesn't work for them anymore. Because this isn't for everyone all the time. There's different forms and there's different modes by which God's people can meet. And this, for some people who've been through lots of hurt and pain, doesn't work for them right now. And that's human and that's normal. And there's a season for everything. But we go through and we're confronted with this stuff all the time. And often there's so many that I've spoken to that question the validity of their lifestyle. They're unsure if the scriptures now relate because the form of church doesn't work for them. They start to question scripture. You start to question scripture. You start to question God and so on. But what I want to tell you, you can doubt anything. You can doubt so much stuff, but you can trust this Jesus. Because he was, came in God's form and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. It doesn't matter what religion has told you, what has worked and what hasn't worked. Most of this, this is a man-made construct. We've made this up. It doesn't say in the Bible that we need microphones and guitars and, and lights and, and stage. It doesn't say that. We do it because it works. We do it because God's people love to come on a Sunday and it fulfills a great function for us. But we've made this up. And if you begin to doubt this and that forces you to doubt God, you don't need to because Jesus, it's just Jesus. It's just him. If you boil it all down and you come right back to the basics, who is he? What did he do? What did he say? Because if you've seen him, you know what God's like. So if you're deconstructing faith, and I'm sort of branching off as I do, go back to the Gospels this Christmas. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Start in John, then go to Mark and just read them and meet Jesus again because you can't, you can't meet Jesus and, and not be transformed. You can't meet Jesus and not believe. He is who he said he is. He did what is written in those Gospels. And because he did that, because of him, we have life. Everything that we are, everything that we do is because of this Jesus. If you question your picture of God, Put it through the filter of who Jesus is. So I can promise you this today, you're not alone. No matter what you're going through, don't let emotions deceive you, don't let thoughts deceive you. He's right there, he's right with you. He's as close as the air that you breathe. Read those gospels this Christmas and remember and come on home. We've had enough of boom, 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 boom. Boom. So when you leave here today, with whatever form your day is going to take, I hope it's with family or at rest of some form, let your heart come home and before you have your Christmas meal, say grace. Say, Lord, we thank you that we're home with you this Christmas. Let's pray together. Lord, if we only have one thing to be thankful for, we have everything to be thankful for. But without this one thing, we really have nothing that's worth thanking for. This one thing is you. This one thing is this Jesus who died in our place to pay our price for sin the way that we never could. And by doing that one thing, made a way for us back to the Father. This one thing that Christ in us, the hope of glory, that we need never lose hope, we need never let this world determine the state of our soul, but we have so much to always be thankful for. And so we come on our knees and we sing in thankfulness to you. Thank you 
that we get to celebrate. We take this day, which means different things to so many people, but we want to grab it. We want to bring Christ into it and reveal your glory in our own life first, in our families next, in this greater community after that.